0: They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's slash upgrade The Talk Sport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mick Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mick Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mick Delivery. Welcome to College Talk. I'm Russ Goldman. And this is our post-match show of Fulham's 3-2 victory against Southampton. Joining me right now is Max Cohen. We'll be analyzing this match and going through it. But before we do that and I bring Max on, I just want to mention another walk for calm next weekend. And I would highly recommend Fulham fans getting involved. And uh, you can go to the Twitter account for London Calling Calm. It's actually LDN Calling Calm, so go there. Here's what is said on London Calling Calm. We're walking from Fulham to Chelsea next Sunday for the Calm Zone. Who's joining us? Meet us at the Cottage Gates at 1030 for a 1045 a.m. start and let us know your vest size in advance so we can adorn the streets of Fulham and Orange. So if you're interested in walking, this is obviously not a long walk. Uh, Please do join my friends Lee Adams and Claire and so many other great people that walk for Calm. It's a wonderful cause, so please do join them if you can. All right. Well, let's get into the show. Before I do anything else, I have to welcome my co-host back to the show. just talked to him, it seems like, a few hours ago. Max, how are you doing?
1: Oh, I'm doing well, Russ. You know, it's, it's always nice to do this after win, we always say. And it took a long time from after the Burley match to now, but it was worth it, I believe. I think the team showed great resilience, uh, yesterday, And that's the most impressive thing. That's my main takeaway. You know, in past weeks, if we'd gone down 1-0, if we'd been pegged back to 2-2, I don't believe Fulham would have fought back and got three points. But I just think it really was that new manager bounce, the new feel-good factor around Fulham that propelled the Whites and got us up to those vital three points yesterday. Well, he
0: talked about him, talking about the manager, new manager, Claudio Ranieri, a fighting spirit. And I think that's what we watched, Max. You and I were watching, obviously, the broadcast. And there was one thing that actually stood out to me. I know it's a small little detail, but I just want to share this with you because I think it just talks about this fighting spirit very on a very small scale. But I think it goes to what we saw here. Right after the uh, corner for Fulham, after Mitro's great opportunity, and I believe it was the 51st minute, Nathan Redmond started to break. And you can actually see most of the foam players getting back into place and getting ready to stop the attack. It was basically a one-man attack against all these Fulham players. And uh, I watched that and it's like, okay, this is what Ranieri's talking about. It's being able to attack as a team but also defend as a team, Max. And that's, I think, goes to the fighting spirit to be playing together as a team. So I wanted to share that with you. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I actually noticed the same thing when I was watching the match. Um, a few weeks ago, a clip on Twitter was circulating of Leeds doing the same thing under Marcelo Bielsa, the entire team chasing back. And that's really what it remind, yeah. reminded me of because it shows that when you have a manager who the players really believe in, you can inspire them to fight for the cause, that's what happens. And yeah, it was, it was really striking because you know Redmond was very isolated and all of the phone players started sprinting back from that corner. And I think sometimes I was missing on Salisa, and that's not a knock on Salisa at all, but right. I just really do believe in the power of just bringing in a new manager. And not necessarily for uptick in results right away, but just because the players know they have to prove themselves again. Simple as that. They know if there's a new guy in there, all a lot of their pass work is useless. They have to prove themselves all over again, work just as hard as before, um, and really show why they deserve a spot in this team. And I think all the players really did that against Southampton. And I think we'll see that in the coming weeks, that they were going to be fighting even even harder than they were before, Lisa.
0: Right. And, you know, and again, I'm, I just pointed out that moment because it just stood out for me when I watched it back. I told you off air that I, I think I've watched this match back in parts like three times now. Mm-hmm. And when I watched the 51st minute right after Mitra's great opportunity and then the corner that came after that, I was like, wow, they were getting back into place and there was just one player, Nathan Redmond, and then maybe another player coming, but the rest of the Southampton players were far behind the Fulham players, and it, it just was striking to me how that they were all getting back together as a team, and I thought that was actually a very good sign. If that's what we're going to see moving forward, I think that's very important. So that was just something that just stood out, and I thought that would be a, just a good way to talk about this. And Max, before we break down this match and get into this a little bit more, I would just want to share some quotes from Claudio Ranieri after the match, because... I think that they're telling, and I think that, you know, again, it just tells you what's going on right now with him and the players. So I'm going to read them to you and then get your thoughts on it. Here's from the manager reaction that you can read on the Fulham website. Quote, for me to come back to the Premier League is emotional. For me to come to Fulham is emotional. Emotions were high. It was an important match. Everybody is pleased. But it's a little step. It's not an easy job. I was waiting for this kind of match, and it was very difficult. Southampton are a good team and we're in a bad position we suffered a lot but I'm very pleased with my players because they never gave up and fought we wanted to win we showed very good fighting spirit and our energy levels were high I asked the players to fight until the end after the first goal I wanted to see our reaction and it was amazing I'm very pleased with our fans too they supported us until the end Okay, so those are some quotes from Claudio Ranieri after the match. There are some other quotes, but I just want to share that with you right now. What are your thoughts of what he had to share? That goes to what, what we're talking about, the fighting spirit of Fulham Football Club. That's what he wanted to see. And going down a goal, heads didn't drop, Max.
1: And we talked about that on the uh, full-time show. Exactly. And I just think in the past six I could never have seen us getting back into a match from a losing position. Uh, usually we're the teams, you know, dropping the points. And this match actually kind of reminded me almost of the reverse of that Cardiff City match we played. You know, when the away team went up 1-0 when we did through sherla the home team comes back, pegs them 2-1. Then the away team equalizes 2-2, and then the home team runs away with it and ends up winning. And on that day, Cardiff were on the winning side, but today, yesterday we were. And it's just kind of a change in, in fortune because I think I remember the Bournemouth match, it was a similar situation. We, we went down one nil within the first 20 minutes, and, you know, there, there was a response. But we just never seemed like getting that goal before halftime. And it was always I always felt inevitable that no matter how much we dominated, Bournemouth hit us for the second and then ended up winning that match. And it just was a different feeling around the cottage today. A completely different atmosphere. Um and, and that's what I'm thankful for, you know, that right. Rainier seems to have instilled that in. And of course it's still very early days, and sure. the performance wasn't perfect. But I don't care about performances anymore. You know, Emilio was on the show yesterday, and he made some really good points about how negative um, – sorry, about how there were some negatives to take away from yesterday's oh. match. And I agree with that. But it matters that we got three points because just as Ranieri said in his you know press conference when it got announced, we played well against Liverpool. You know, we played well against Man City way um, in, in the cup. But we didn't get anything from those matches. I'd rather play poorly and win than play brilliantly and lose. And I know, agree with that. We did that yesterday.
0: I totally agree with that. It's funny because uh, I saw Mark Hughes's comments after the match on Sky Sports and uh, he sounded like, believe it or not, Savisa after some of our matches where he's talking about the performance, talking about all the stats are probably going to be in their favor. But the most important stat, Max, is the score line, And he pointed that out, obviously, did not go in their favor. So it's almost like this role reversal. I was actually thinking about the first match against Crystal Palace. Now, Obviously, it's not the exact same because the teams are different. But in many ways, I thought Fulham outplayed for a good portion of that match, Crystal Palace. But Crystal Palace took advantage of their opportunities. We did that against Southampton. So that's why I want to bring up that comparison. What are your thoughts about that, going back to the first match? Yeah, I mean... And now we're on the other side of that.
1: Exactly, yeah. I mean, the striking thing for me just was the 37% possession. Yeah. That that's going to take some getting what used What does it. that
0: remind you of? Who does that remind you of? It reminds me of Leicester City. I, I, I know that there's going to be that comparison. That's just the one thing, that they did not have that much possession that entire season that they won the Premier League. I'm just bringing that up, not saying that we're going to play directly like them because I, I didn't see us playing just like them. I think it's different, but the possession, it's, it's what you do with the possession. That's what we were talking about on Full Time as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then... I mean, there were a lot of times when we were very content to let Southampton play. Yeah. But just because we were content to let them play didn't mean we were confident in our defending. Because I think for much of the second half, towards the end, I mean, now some of the most nervous I've ever been in months. You know, I think we were saying this. <laughs> we, did. we just dropped off them and let them attack us. And to be frank, our defense is not that good. Our defense is not good enough to let that happen game in, game out. Sure. Which is why I think. I mean, of course, as Claudio has more time to deal with the players, to drill them on more defensive duties, then I think that defense will become more solid. But for now, it was really nervy. And I think we had, towards the end of the match, there's no attempt to play possession football. Whereas under was I think you would have had, even though we would have been defensive, we would have said at least, listen, let's try to keep the ball so they can't have it. But yesterday, there was no, no attempt at all to do that which was something for me that was a bit worrying because if you just let a team attack and attack and attack on a different day, I think we easily could have conceded the equalizer. it. I mean, if not for a really bad miss from El if not for some brilliance from Sergio Rico, that match could have been 3-3, and they could have honestly won it 4-3. But, you know, we got the luck. Um, but looking forward, we, we need to find a different way to close that match, I think, because we cannot do that sustainably, you know, across the last couple months of the season unless our defense really gets better rapidly, which is a possibility.
0: Well, let's hope so. And uh, I'm just going to share a couple more quotes from Claudio Ranieri because he talks about the defense and what I'm just going to share with you and also Sergio Rico and Alexander Mitrovic. So I'm just going to share these quotes. Here they are. Quote, we played a good match but gave too many chances to our opponents. Of course I want a clean sheet and want to improve our defensive work. The whole team has to maintain the right position. I always want more. Rico had to make too many saves, and I didn't like it when our goalkeeper has to work too much. And then he talks about Alexander Mitrovic. Quote, for me, Mitrovic is one of the best strikers in Europe. He's only 24, and he can improve more and more. At the end of the season, you'll see how many goals he'll score. And that's from Claudio Ranieri talking about Rico. The defensive work, and then Alexander Mitrovic. I, I gave you a good amount there, but yeah. what are your thoughts about those quotes there?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Mitrovic one I think got the most headlines immediately afterwards. But you know, I think we—I was saying this back in um in September. You know, when Mitrovic had that really good run of form for Serbia in the Nations League and came back and translated it for Fulham. You know, he is a player who I think, when he gets to Serbia and gets an international break, he comes back with that confidence and brings it to Fulham. I honestly think there's a correlation between those two things, because listen, he's a top scorer in the entire of the UEFA Nations League group stage. I mean, that's that's really impressive. Of all the quality strikers out there in in the European yep. national teams, Mitrovic is the top, the storming charts. And you know, there's some caveat to that—that that he is playing in a weaker league than some of the best strikers. But nonetheless, that, I mean, to have six goals um, in, in those matches is really impressive, and he brings back that really good goal scoring form to Fulham. And you see, he's just bursting with confidence. But the best thing was, I think, is that he finally got the service. And I think under Ranieri, he can become one of the best strikers in Europe because if we deliver more consistent crosses into the box, if we keep him involved, if he's not isolated, then he will blossom. Because we saw he didn't have many chances on Saturday. I can't really think of too many other shots he had. I mean, other than the one McCarthy made a really good save on yep. when it was still, uh, when we were up 3 2, or when it was 2 1, I think. Um, that he was so lethal. He took his chances brilliantly. That's right. And all he needs is one or two, and he'll take them. So that's why I'm really confident about Fulham. And I think what Ranieri said was true is that see towards the end of the season how many goals he has. Because if he gets the right opportunities, he can become, not of course, not the same type of player, but the same talismanic figure as I think Jamie Vardy was for Leicester.
0: Very interesting, Max. And uh, I'm glad that you talked about Mitrovic because this goes to talking about the counter-attacking style that we saw. Now, obviously, the possession was very low, but when they had it and when they had these uh, counterattacks, they were dangerous, very dangerous at times. The passing was very good, and that to me is encouraging moving forward. It's a little bit different, like I said, than how Leicester City played it with, with Jamie Vardy because we have, you know, again, we're built differently, but when you can see the passing between the players, between, say, Kearney, Mitrovic, Sherlot, and Sessignan, it's excellent. It was excellent at times, Max. So let's talk about that because, again, we we can focus so much on the lack of possession. But when they had it and, and they had their attacks,
1: these counterattacks, they were very dangerous. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And that was also of the um, takeaways from, from the match was that when we had the ball, we were so incisive with it. And that's all absolutely. 10, and we have to give Felisa um, some credit for that because he instilled the passing mentality into this team. And I think what is That was already in, instilled in the yeah, players. That's so a very exactly. good point. Rainier is just honing it. He's saying, listen, I know you guys love to pass. Let's just pass quick. And let's look yeah. for that. Let's look very for quick, it. immediately. Because when Solis went wrong in the Premier League was that we had a lot of the ball in attacking areas, but we created nothing. And you saw that I think was the most damning indictment was against Huddersfield Town. Yep. And we did dominate possession, but when we got to the final third, there was no movement, no creativity, no penetration. Here against Southampton, we knew how to pass. We knew how to pass quickly. This passing had intent. And there are runs for us. There are runs from deep. Yes. And the most impressive thing I think about the way we played was the increased emphasis on crossing and the attacking fullback. Because Very
0: that's good that's what point. we did
1: really successfully last season with targeted Fredericks. And we was really missing this season so far. But who provided the crosses or two of the three goals? Lamarchand and Christie. And Ryan right. Sessian, of course, did a cross for for, for Shirley's goal. Getting in from wide areas into the center is where we're going to find success, I think. Oh, um, I agree. Under an area, but under Salisa, it was. I feel like too often is trying to force passes through a very congested central area yep. with not really, I think, with no luck. Here, I think we're going to use our width a lot more. More, more a
0: crosses. Thing. I agree with you. I think that was one of the big things that I noticed. Is is uh. The attacks, the counterattacks—that that's what we saw there. I'm glad that you mentioned that, my friend. All right, before we go through the key moments, let's talk about your thoughts about the starting eleven, and then I'm just going to ask you a basic question about the formation. Max, what are your thoughts about the uh, starting eleven, and then we'll talk about the
1: formation. Yeah, I think the it was it was very similar to the Liverpool match, with the only exception I think was that Zambo came out for Siri. So. When, when a lot of people thought, oh, Ranieri to come in and change everything. I think that's not true. He really kept the lineup pretty consistent. Um, and, you know, with Chang- Chambers playing that defensive midfield role um, in a, a center-back pairing of Dorian Reed. And one of the biggest things for me was the bench, actually, not the starting 11, because the starting 11 was pretty consistent. You know, Vieto completely dropped. Fosso completely dropped. Brian was back, which is nice to see. Um, but then we also saw the return of Nisun Scabano who I think Ranieri obviously rates. He sees him as an interesting option off the bench. And Kamara and Ite, who both came on during the match, You know, I think he's almost looking back at those players from more of the championship season and saying, they really fit my system. They can do a job for me. I'm, I'm, I'm right. going to play them. So that was interesting.
0: That is interesting because I was thinking about that. And um, some of these players that maybe we thought under Savisa wouldn't fit in the Premier League, potentially with Ranieri, they might just from the way that Ranieri can use him. It's it's uh, taking advantage of the strengths of the players. I was thinking about this, Max, and trying to make sure that the weaknesses don't come out as much as they did, say, under Slavisa, where, you know, someone like Johansson and, and McDonald, maybe under, you know, and then McDonald didn't play in this match with uh, Ranieri. He can just harness the strengths so you don't really notice their weaknesses. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, because I think, when you might be playing a more defensive style of play, uh, there's you're going to be on the ball less, of course, and there's less opportunities, I think, to give away the ball. And that's when we saw those players struggling the most is when they gave, they gave away the ball in really dangerous areas and let the yep. other team break. So that, that, that's, that's a good point. Um, but with regards to the wingers, I think he likes his attacking players more just because they offer that pace, yep. that more direct style of play. They can put in a across. And I think René really, really, really likes that, and that's why I think they're on the bench.
0: Okay, and uh, I think that you will see, this is just my opinion based on the way that he talked about him during the week, Joe Bryan. I think Joe Bryan will be playing very soon as a left-back. He might stick with Lamar Chan for a while, but I have a funny feeling you're going to see Joe Bryan because he's someone that can cross the ball, Max. Your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, because Ranier is really very complimentary of Joe Bryan in in his uh, pre-match press conference. I mean, you don't really see that. Um, player being singled out that, for that effusive praise, which was nice to see because I don't think Slavisa necessarily was a fan of doing that. Um, but it was nice for his confidence because I do think when he went down against Everton, I mean, how long ago was that match? That was late September, right, Russ? So yep. we thought, I always like to go back to the trajectory of the two players who went out injured, which was Fossey Mensah with that shoulder injury and Brian with the hamstring strain. Yep. And everyone thought, wow, Fossey Mensah got carted off. It looked really serious. We thought it'd be a couple months. He's back in a matter of weeks. And it's actually Brian who's out for a matter of months. Yeah. Um. So I think for him, the manager really backing him, giving him that praise will do wonders for his confidence. Because when you're out injured for that long with kind of a hamstring strain, I feel as if you kind of start doubting yourself, whether you're going to be back to your full self as you were beforehand. Um. And, and yeah, I, I do think he'll be in there because we saw with his crossing ability, remember that match against Tottenham, yep. second match of the season, he delivered that really wonderful cross that led to our goal. Um. But it's an interesting situation because I was going to ask you, you know, I do think Joe Bryan is, is the better left back. But LeMarchand has been doing really well the last couple of he, matches.
0: He did very well. And I don't want to take anything away from Max and LeMarchand. I, I thought he played well. But attacking-wise, I think Joe Bryan offers more, Max. That's
1: kind of where I'm going on it. Yeah. Yeah, but I do, I do think LeMarchand um, really did his best to kind of show area. listen, I can also be that attacking fullback because that run he did for Mitrovic's first goal. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. And the way he kept the ball in and, and got a really quality cross, I mean, he shocked me because I really, honestly, had no idea he had that in in, in his locker. I saw him as kind of <laughs> a slow left back, uh, a decent center back, and then he pulls out that run, 60-yard run, whips in a lovely cross, and I was really impressed.
0: Listen, he did a very good job. Cyrus Christie on the other side did a very good job as well. Here I am just a few weeks ago saying that I want Fosu Mensah to play, but I want to give Ranieri credit to get the most out of these players. We're talking about Max Marchand and, of course, Cyrus Christie, because they both were very influential in this game, Max. So very good point by you. Before we move on, I, I want to talk about this post on friendsoffoam.com. And uh, I go there every morning, and uh, this one actually was very interesting. I just want to share the uh, title of it. Topic, the most noticeable tactical difference today. And... Go through the post. There's some very interesting thoughts on this, but I want to go right down to Matt 10 because I want to ask you, what was the formation? Because I've heard 4-2-3-1. I've heard 4-4-2. This is what Matt 10 put in this post. We played a 4-4-2. The reason Tom never reached Sari except for one time is because we didn't play possession. We played counterattack. We defended in a 4-4-2 and attack. In an intended 442, but really it's about bombarding forward and connecting quickly. What are your thoughts about that? Because I watched it back and I can kind of see where Matt 10 is going on this. And if you go into Friends of Fulham in this post, he actually has screenshots that back up what he thinks here that it's a 442. Because at first thought, I thought it was a 4231.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I was I was with you, Russ. I, I really did think it was a 4-2-3-1 just based on, you know, what the club put out, based on what, you know, the journalists were saying <clears throat> and and just what I I'd seen this Fulham team play before. Um but I think you mentioned if you look at the the average positions of the players it looked like a 4 yes. But I I'm still going to say it was a 4-2-3-1 just because this is my take on it. Okay. I see I see the 4-2-3-1 formation and I see the two holding midfielders before the attacking Three midfielders in, in in that setup. And I'd say Seri and Chambers were those two holding midfielders. Kearney formed the tip of the triangle as the attacking midfielder. And I just think he was given instructions to play higher up the pitch. I don't necessarily would go as far as to say that's a four or four two because I don't know if the wingers um were were asked that much defensively. You know, I think they were really more playing in that in that attacking through midfield behind Mitrovic and, and I would say Kearney is just a very attacking midfielder, attacking central midfielder, not necessarily saying he's playing as a striker. Because I think he was forward quite a bit, but he was never in the box, making those runs, having the sight of goal that much. I mean, he, didn't, he, he maybe had one or two shots, but he wasn't necessarily um, being a goal threat. But what he was doing was looking up in, in, in advanced positions. He wasn't, definitely wasn't playing a recessed role, which you'd see him do in, in, in pass for four. So... I'm not, not going to say it was a total four four two, but I would say it was more of a four two three one, which is a very advanced Tom Kearney role.
0: Okay, well, I just want to just share this as well. Mike Greg, one of our co-hosts, actually added to this post, and this is what he said. And he actually showed the average position, and you can actually see Tom Kearney ahead of Mitrovic just slightly. This is what he put: Would agree mainly with Matt on it being four four two, maybe just about four four one one. While average p- position can be taken apart for various reasons, we
1: haven't seen anything like this since Kit. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's a long time ago, but I think Slavisa he really did do a variety of formations. But we have to say 4-4-2, 4-4-1-1 was not one of them honestly, on the many occasions. So th- this no. this is a new one for us, uh, relatively new one. And you know, I, I'll be interested to see what he does uh, in in away matches if he changes yep. formation we might see a more traditional four or two against Chelsea who knows. Um, but if he does play a four or two from the off, do you really think Kearney can be a strike partner instead of someone like Aite, Vieto, Shirla, Sassino, maybe? I don't know. I, it's very interesting. You know, again, we're going to have to see
0: how this situation evolves, but I will say that I thought Tom Kearney was very influential in this match. And again, I, I, I think that this is Ranieri trying to get the most out of his players and A good manager will, like I said, try to find the best that he can out of each one of them and try to minimize the weaknesses. And Kearney doesn't have incredible pace, but I think he played to his strengths the way that he was set up, Max. So I don't know. We'll we'll have to see how this all evolves. It's fascinating. That's why I'm glad that we can kind of talk about these. Different situations talk about what formation it was. You know, we, you know, we, again, there's some disagreements on that. That's what's interesting here. But listen, let's get into the match. Let's get into the key moments here, my friend. And we have to start off here. I want to get your thoughts about the double save in the sixth minute by Rico. There was a shot by Armstrong, very nice save. And that was followed up by the uh, shot by Gabardini. Let's talk about it here because, I, again, for me, Sergio Rico was my man of the match. I, I know many have Mitrovic as their man of the match, but I thought this was the first very good sign that Rico was up for this and obviously was going to be a factor here.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, let's just give full credit to Sergio Rico. I mean, he he, he has an excellent goalkeeper, and he's showing us exactly why he's such a big pedigree from his past days in Spain. I mean, I think we're realizing how lucky we are to have him at the club and you know, it's, it's a lone signing, but hopefully, you know, based on this form, we can make this permanent. Because he is, he, in many ways, won us a match, as just as much as Mitrovic or Cessna and or Shirley did um, on Saturday. The, the first save is excellent. And the second one, I mean, Gabby Dini should score there, but Rico just yeah. brilliantly, just make himself big, stand his ground, and you know, force him to shoot right at him. And if they score in the six minutes, that match is so different. I mean, I know they did get the first goal just 10 minutes later. But that being said... That's a I real killer of like If it's first 10 totally minutes, great. that is just so devastating. I mean, even the first one in the first 17 minute, that felt devastating. But just to get us off the mark, you know, get those first 10 minutes without conceding was huge because, you know, that really let us, you know, keep our momentum for some time um, and not immediately feel deflated because that really would have been deflating.
0: Okay, very good. All right, in the 15th minute, off of a corner, you have uh, Calum Chambers, Heading a ball that is saved, but again, Max, this is a decent opportunity and, and something that I want to see off of corners because it's, our corners haven't been the greatest, and uh, it was good to see Calm Chambers get a header there. Then, unfortunately, we have to go to the 18th minute, the goal by Armstrong, and I want to get your thoughts on uh, the goal that
1: gave Southampton the lead here. Yeah, I think Christie had a good match by all accounts, but <clears throat> one thing he always seems to have in his, his locker is having one pretty poor defensive mistake that leads to a goal. We saw oh. against Liverpool with the Shakiri goal, and here it was. He really switched off from throwing him and Schurler collectively have to be blamed for this, and they just let um they, uh, they the Southampton players get to the byline and put in a free cross, and you just can't do that in the Premier League. Um, But then, from there, they still had a lot to do, and I think it's a combination of Chambers kind of getting you know boxed out for it, Sarri, um not getting to his man, and, and Armstrong, who the defensive midfielder should be picking up in that position. Has a free shot. Um, and that was a very soft goal to concede. You know, yeah. I continued our streak of having no clean sheets at all this season. The commentators love to run that in, <laughs> whenever we concede. But you know, it's, it's fair play to them because it is a worrying trend. Um and honestly when I when I felt like go in, I was I thought, oh no. You know, I was like, do we did it even matter that we changed the manager? Are we just destined to go down, honestly? Because that was <laughs> that was just a, a hammer blow. Because we haven't yeah. really played that well, but you didn't deserve to be down, I don't think. And I don't think so. It just continued the trend of giving up soft goals whenever whenever the opponent seems to be in dangerous positions, they seem to score. Right, but Max,
0: what's very important here, they go down 1-0. And what we've seen this season, heads could drop. Didn't happen here. Let's go forward to the 31st minute. This was the first indication that things might be different. You have the shot by Sessnion. And again, this was the passing that we started to see here. This was the first moment we really saw this. It goes over, but it was a good indicator of, of things to come because just two minutes later, you have the goal by Mitro set up by La Marchand. Talk about the goal because this is just wonderful from Alexander Mitrovic, but also from Maxine Le Marchand.
1: Yeah, I mean, really from everyone involved. There's a nice sequence of passing. Everyone involved. Yeah, starts at an hour and a half. And it's a sequence of passing that goes forward, then back, then forward, then back, with really nice play as strikers playing back to goal, laying it off to midfielders. And Kerry's chip ball was just exquisite. I mean, the pace on that, to find LaMarche, I didn't even see the run. I mean, he was so far out, you didn't even see him on the, on the, on the television screen is, is, is how uh, recessed he was. But he had a great pace to, get, to have a touch, keep the ball in, and then chip a ball right in the head of Mitrovic, who still has a lot to do. And he barely got any power on the ball. But he didn't need to because his placement was so good with that glancing header. Uh, and it came at the perfect time. You just knew we needed a goal before halftime just to settle the nerves. Um, and, and it was excellent the way we did it.
0: Absolutely. And just a few minutes later, Max, in the 36th minute, you had a shot by Christie, And again, just showing what he was all about because he looked like a different player in this match. He was very aggressive in certain places, good defensively and very aggressive going forward. So that was encouraging for me. His shot goes wide, though. Then we have the opportunity. Once again, you have this situation with uh, Ryan Session this time, the 43rd minute. And again, Ryan Session has so much talent. He really showed it here. What an incredible pass to Andre Sherla. So let's talk about the goal that gave Fulham the lead in the 43rd minute.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me almost I was watching the highlights of his hatchery against Sheffield United this week because that was the uh, the one-year anniversary, I think, earlier. And his third goal against Sheffield United when he picks out <clears throat> that crosshill pass from Ollie Norwood with a lovely first touch just out of the air right into his path. And it was the same situation um, in, in, in that goal against Southampton. The touch from the cross the ball is, is brilliant. And the way he squares up Cedric, waits for this other Southampton defender to come back. He's a touch inside and then cuts outside. He just shows a, a knowledge of the game, an intelligence of where players will be, and just the instinct that, that you can't teach. He's so naturally gifted, and the pace just get past them is superb. But then the pass, I mean, you cannot play a ball across the box better than that. Right behind yeah. the back four, they have no chance of getting it. And the keeper stranded. The keeper can't come out. He's never getting there. And Shurla, um, fair credit to him. He did not have a good game, I don't think. He played well in spurts, but largely... I don't think he was that good. But when he has his chance, he takes it. And McCarthy actually, I think, has the angle covered here. So this finish is very but he kind of hits into the ground. and who he right beat. Over. Yeah, exactly. Who did right. he beat here? That's target. That's target. Yeah, napping. <laughs> it was interesting. He didn't return to the cottage. Um, Yeah, but it, it it was a really an excellent goal. And so yeah, satisfying to finally see Ryan Sesion back in and amongst the goals. Because he's had a rough time of it lately, missing some pretty high-profile chances. But you always knew you know, he would come good.
0: Well, he had two assists here, my friend. We'll talk about the second in just a second. But let's go to the second half. And you have the shot by Mitrovic in the 51st minute, which was a nice save by McCarthy. We talked about uh, what happened after that. But this, again, wonderful opportunity, boy. They go up 3-1 to one there. Fulmar probably fine at that point, but unfortunately it didn't go that way. And like it happened so many times, Max, just a few minutes later, you have the goal by Armstrong. And... Uh, this is another unfortunate situation for Fulham, but I want to give credit to Armstrong here because this was an incredible goal that, I, at the time, the match was now
1: 2-2. Yeah, I mean, no one's saving that. That That's just, at the end of the day, it's just a great finish. And and it really was, but uh, can you try to analyze some defensive flaws? I think you can. I think, you know, Sassanone's header, uh, it's it's tough to give blame because I think he was trying to, he, he was off balance trying to just get ahead on that. But, He headed it right back into the danger area. Um, So it was really a poor clearance. You need to try to flick that out wide or or just play it out. Uh, And that's what really gave him the chance. And then Cedric, the back heel, should Chambers be tighter? Should Adoy press more? Um, I think probably yes. But again, it was just a a great individual goal. And, And it came at the worst time, really.
0: Okay, very good there, my friend. All right, let's move on. At that point, like I said, we're at two-two, and then uh, just a few minutes later, you have a shot by Chambers that goes over. Now we have to go to the goal in the 63rd minute from Alexander Mitrovic, which is set up from Christie and then Sessignon. Again, this is another incredible goal. The the goals in this match were were fantastic. Talk about the
1: goal that was the match winner here, my friend. Oh, it was excellent. I mean, for first of all, Christie, uh, it it was a really good ball in, actually. I mean, give him credit. Yeah. Put in the danger area. But it wasn't the best cross because it's not a cross you can immediately score off because it was lofted with not a lot of pace. But Cessino's jump to get there above Yoshida, I mean, that is just remarkable. He's not the tallest guy on the pitch, but the way he got out there, he just wanted that more. Um, timed it brilliantly and flicked it on right and, and Mitrovic. And that first time volley finished outside of the right boot, ooh, that was lovely, Russ, and and, and it meant so yep. much. Feeling in the cottage, I mean, you could just tell. Oh. It was just such relief and joy because it was such a great goal, a, a great team goal. and. and at the absolute perfect time, you know, if it, the pass was a at the team goal, time, yeah, Madrid's came at the perfect time, yeah,
0: absolutely. But I want to mention one other thing because you were talking about Andre Schurrle before that, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. there exactly. was a key moment in here, and this yeah, is about a team alive. goal because he forces the defender to make a mistake. The ball goes to Kieran, which starts
1: the entire situation. So I want to give Schurrle credit, Max. Yeah, because you're right. I was uh, I was really impressed by in, in in that moment because. It was like it was a five ten second period, when I think it was Hoot was trying to clear it. Hoot, yes, stuck on him. Did not, did not in. Did not try to dive in. Just said, "Listen, your back's the goal. I'm right here. What are you going to do? I'm not. You're not going to let. I'm not going to let you hit it off me. I'm going to force you to make a mistake." And he just played it right up the touchline, um, and and I think it was Kearney or, or Le Marchand, but it was some defender or or film player who got it and then immediately circulated it to Christie, and then the rest is history. It was just yeah. a really good example of how Shirley. If he can use that work rate, he can be a fighter. But I think we need to see that more consistently. And maybe under any area, he can be inspired to do that more.
0: I hope so. I thought that was a good sign, my friend. That's why I wanted to go back and talk a little bit about Andre Scherl. All right. Now we have to talk about the end of the match, and we will be wrapping this up, my friend. Again, um, Sergio Rico comes up big in the 72nd minute. He makes a save from a shot from Hoibert, who probably should score there. Then there are a couple of opportunities from. Obafemi in the 87th minute, Obafemi. I'm sorry, and then the save he makes in in the 92nd minute was uh, again a a crucial save, my friend. He came up big, and I was very impressed by Rico because that's why you know again we're talking about his saves. I, I I know we've talked about before the man of the match, and I'll get your man of the match in just a second. But Rico for me was man of the match, and this just showed at the very end because this very easily could have been like you said.
1: Three three or even four three to Southampton. Yeah, it was it was just so nervy. <laughs> I mean, it was just a tangle of bodies, and it's always good to have a keeper who you have utmost confidence in. And during that time, I just felt you know some you know Rico was going to be resolute. He's going to stand strong. He'll make the save, and in the end, that's what happened. Um, so I, we're lucky to have him, and we're, we're just lucky that the bounces went our way yesterday because so many times this season they haven't. No. We were due some luck. I think we really got it during that last kind of frantic five minutes. And where on earth did the referee get five minutes of out of time from? Oh. I would love to hear an explanation for that.
0: <laughs> that was uh, very nervy, my friend. We we talked about this on the full-time show. It brought us back to the uh, championship final at Wembley. Yeah, it did for me because it was just that nervy. I knew how important this was. This was an important three points. If they got a point, would it have been the end of the world? I don't know. Uh, I just think it would have been very deflating if they gave up a late goal. This, to me, was important. Was it luck? Was it just playing together as a team? Maybe it was a little bit of everything. But they found a way to win. And that's what they have needed to do this season, that they hadn't done this season much. Finding ways to win. Obviously, this is only their second win. Max, they did it a bunch last season. It's very important to just However you can get the three points, find a way to win. Listen, I love Slavisa style. I'm going to miss it. But I think over time, I'm going to get used to and start to appreciate what Ranieri trying to do here because he's trying to get them to play together as a unit and work together attacking and defending. And, you know, I think if we start to see the counterattacks that we saw in this match on a more consistent basis, I think Fulham are going to be very good if the defense then raises its game. And I think he's going to be, I'm talking about Ranieri, all about raising the defense because they have the talent to do these counterattacks, to do that passing. And if the goals could really start to fly in, but they have to defend as a unit. And maybe this is just a small step in the right direction, my friend. That's my... Overlining theme of this match is that they played together as a team. They found a way to win.
1: Yeah, and just one one positive going forward is, you know, of course there are the terrible performances under Slavisa um, in in the, in the in the past couple months. The, the majority of those came away from home. You know, we had not really played a relegation rival at home yet. This, I think, Southampton was was the first game when we played something really good. Say, I mean, other than Crystal Palace, but I think that's probably debatable. They'll be okay. We played a relegation rival at home and looking forward into our schedule with a lot of very winnable fixtures at home in the next couple of weeks. And that's where our Premier League status will be won or lost is those home matches. And so that's why I'm confident because Rainier here set out the blueprint for winning at home against relegation rivals. You take your chances, you stand strong defensively, and you get the three points. And that's why I feel confident going into the next couple of months is that we will have these home matches against teams around us and I think we're in a great position to win them. Okay, excellent there, my friend. All
0: right, who's your man of the match?
1: I mean, I thought that's a lot. I'm going to say Alexander Mitrovic. He's okay. so crucial to everything we do. He took his two chances brilliantly. Without him, we don't win. I know without Rico, we don't win. Without a lot of players, we don't win. But he was a spark, I think, today, I guess.
0: Okay. I've already said I'm going with Rico just because I don't think they win this match without him. But you can make the same argument about Alexander Mitrovich. I don't think you could go wrong with either one of those two players. Yeah. All right, my friend, real quick. I just want to just share some stats with you. We like to do stat attack. I'll do this very quickly. Possession, Southampton had 63% to 37% for full. Total shots, 19 to 10 in favor of Southampton. On target, 8 to 5 in favor of Southampton. Corners, 5 to 2 in favor of Southampton. And then I'll just give you... One more, passing accuracy, 79% for Southampton, 71% for Fulham. Fulham under Jokinovich were usually around 80%, so that's a drop-off. What stands out to you from the full-time stats? It pretty much shows, for me, a
1: change of how we're playing. Yeah, I mean, the possession is the biggest one, but also the passing accuracy. I did not realize it was that low. That You're right, that's really low for a Fulham team. Yeah. Um, But as I said before. It, the passes that count and the passes that lead to goals. And I'm happy if those, if we have less, less total passes, less total completed passes, but more goals. So it's the most goals we scored in a very long time with our lowest possession and lowest passing. accuracy, probably in probably a long time. And, you know, I'll take that every day of the week, Russ.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Max, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it, my friend. Before we go, just a couple of uh, notes here that I just want to mention. We will be doing a, uh, a player rating show. Rhino O'Donovan is going to be returning for a player rating show. He, we were messaging back and forth. He will be doing that. We'll be doing that on Monday. I look forward to doing that. He wants to talk about his rating. So we will be sharing that. He also mentioned, I want to mention this, Max, that he listened back to cottage talk on Friday on Spotify. We are now on Spotify. It's a wonderful way to listen back to the show. I've been listening to it. I listened to it in my car. You can listen to it in your car. so, if you haven't yet and you are on Spotify, please do follow Cottage Talk there. It's just such an easy way to listen to it. It's a wonderful way to listen to it. And obviously, Ryan O'Donovan from football.london is listening to our show on Spotify. So I wanted to mention that. And one final note, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, is the walk to Stanford Bridge from the Cottage for London Calling Com. If you're interested, go to the Twitter account LDN Calling Com. And you will see it. It's a walk from, like I said, Craven Cottage to Stanford Bridge. It's a wonderful cause. And if you're available,
1: please do uh, join them on this walk. And, yeah, I'd just like to re- re- reiterate that. It's a great cause, really important um, issues they're bringing up uh, to campaign against, you know, mental suicide and uh, depression and mental health issues. And it's a great cause. I wish I could be there to go on one of the walks. Unfortunately, yeah. we cannot. But if you guys are in London, I, I'd really recommend going out there. It, it's a really meaningful cause you know that's close to a lot of our hearts so
0: absolutely and the walk is sunday and i'll just read the tweet from london calling Com. we're walking from fulham fc to chelsea fc next sunday for the calm zone who's joining us meet us at the cottage gate to 10 30 for a 10 45 a.m start and let us know your vest size in advance so we can adorn the streets of fulham in orange okay All right max it's been a great show but it is time to wrap it up for my co-host, Max Cohen, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ